0: Oh, yeah, get me fired up for an 8 o'clock on Wednesday, baby, (laughs) post-Valentine's Day. But, AK, today's a big day. You know why? It's February 15th. Yes. And I just had people text me on the text line, basically saying that golf courses in Hamilton were open yesterday. You know what else that means in the golf world? The big Netflix release today, Uh, what's it called, Full Swing? Full Swing, or as our man Rod called it, the
1: Netflix golfing show on our conference call on Monday. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Full Swing, something we've been anticipating for a long time, which is the the behind-the-scenes F1 uh, drive to survive. There's an equivalent um, uh, F1 show, that's what it's called, and it takes you behind the scenes, all the big players in F1, and now you'll see the same thing. Uh, on the PGA Tour, I have been privy to the first episode prior to uh, it being released last night uh, at midnight. And if you're a golf fan, you're going to love it. But I think also if you're a fan Not of sports, golf you're going to love it. I mean, yeah, yeah I yeah. think it's it's just a really cool behind-the-scenes look into what life is like for the PGA Tour, guys. A lot of Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth, which, I mean, who are their two of the more intriguing characters on tour? Very close friends. Best mm-hmm. man was Jordan Spieth at Justin Thomas Justin Thomas's wedding, so it was, it was really cool to see how things, how things work uh, on tour. I, I loved every minute of it. Both you and I love golf, and I oh, can guarantee yeah. if you love golf, you're gonna love this series.
0: So, how many episodes is it? I, I don't know,
1: but uh, there's one every every comes out
0: every Wednesday, I believe, for maybe the next six eight weeks. Perfect, can't wait for that. So, I was sharing with you the breaking news in my household that um, just just came about yesterday i finally got my assault bike and if people don't know what an assault bike is i highly suggest you go google it it's basically a bike the fan bike that the arms move on it so you can get a full body workout in and i need to start working out that's part of why i got it but i am so pumped today after the show to jump on my assault bike and literally do my workout while i'm watching the first episode of full swing I it's am perfect. Pumped. It's perfect
1: to to sit down and I guess hey, do you have you got the TVs going on? Oh yeah. Uh, apparently eight eight episodes of Full Swing, according to Greg on the text line, which is okay. Awesome. Perfect. perfect. And, uh, episode one released last night, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing you know the new and improved Carlo Coyle come summertime. Couple of months on the assault bike, you know, three four times a week, and you'll be looking at like your playing days by you'll be pounding golf balls deep deep maybe driving some greens this year at Rattlesnake you could definitely do it on most of the Part 5s there such a short easy golf course so <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah i mean it's going to be a hell of a so time he plays i, I at Caledon
0: woods and his uh, we do play yes
1: Caledon woods is right. a great golf course fantastic track we're talking Perfect. to uh, our guest at uh, at 8:40 Frankie Craddo about that yesterday yes. and i mean the weather today See, it's golf. Well, it it is, except the wind makes it unplayable. You won't have a great time playing golf today. (laughs) Like sixty kilometer, seventy kilometer gusts in certain parts of southern Ontario, and you would not. That's not the type of weather you like. Yeah, that's not your style for sure. I mean, very people like you know, it's like British Open style stuff going Mm -hmm. on today. But it is thirteen degrees, and it's February fifteenth. No one's complaining about that. Not a person on earth, so you got to enjoy it. Get outside today. There is a little rain in the forecast, but uh, I think it'll be just a, a great day to get outdoors and enjoy because tomorrow you will be indoors watching Tiger Woods back in action at the Genesis Open at Riviera, something we haven't seen I mean, a long time. He's been away from tour for more than 200 days. Uh, We know the plantar fasciitis he was dealing with seems to have subsided. He was talking yesterday about how his leg has much improved. Now it's his ankle that is giving him problems. And in typical Tiger Woods fashion, he comes out and says, I think I can win. And that's what he always says every single time. I think I can win. I wouldn't be here if I didn't believe that. And, you know, believing it is different than actually... Seeing it, you know, like, but I'm hopeful. It's going to be fun to watch.
0: I honestly think, like as great as Tiger's last Masters Championship was to watch, I think if he can come back and win any golf tournament, any golf tournament right now it would be one of the greatest comeback stories in sports history. Do you not agree? Sure. I mean,
1: the Masters is a little bit different. Back in 2019. Yeah, I mean, winning, like, I don't know, the John Deere. No, that wouldn't be one of the greatest it, stories uh, of all time, but it'd be good.
0: It, it, I, I, but think about it. Like, think about what the, the, this guy basically came out and said he almost lost his leg. And now all the rehab that he's had to do over the last two years oh, yeah. just to get his body back. And, you know, he even says, this, like, I would love to be back a full-timer. I just don't know if my body can hold up. Like, so this is clearly a guy that is going through some physical struggles just to compete. And you talk about playing golf. Like, people can say all they want about playing golf. Go walk a golf course four days in a row having to play the best golf of your life to win a tournament. And tell me how easy that is. It's not easy. Just why I I think that him doing it against, especially the field that he's doing it against, too, where... The guys on the PGA Tour that have literally taken over the crown as the top dogs, look at the type of golf these guys are playing right now. John Rom. I mean, this guy has finished in the top five in every tournament this year so far. Has three He's tournament ridiculous. wins already. McElroy, Scheffler, Scheffler. Thomas, Speed
1: the list goes on and on it's the it's an unbelievable field at riv always is it's tiger's tournament right. at the genesis i thought daniel Rappaport, uh, number 1 was a fantastic guest last night on overdrive and made some really interesting points about tiger woods and his place in the golf world like tiger still wins the pip award right where they give him what what 20 million dollars or whatever it is for the player impact program where his social media impact and all that stuff is greater than everybody else because it's Tiger Woods and everybody loves watching Tiger. But is that a good thing for the golf world in the short term and the long term? Let's hear what Daniel Rappaport said on that subject yesterday.
2: You guys were just talking about how, you know, if you had the option to watch just Tiger or the entire rest of the field, you guys said just Tiger, mm-hmm. and like that's got to change at some point, right? Like we've got to move past tiger at some point because he just won't be here forever so hopefully this series does a good job in building up some of these other guys because you're right i mean as, as soon as tiger committed to this event he sucked the oxygen out of everyone else it happens every time still
0: it's a great point it really is but as long as tiger's around he'll always have that that feeling that Attaches people to golf because of his greatness. I mean, it's a, it's a
1: romanticism, right? You're still right. like holding on to hope that maybe one day that girl will come back to you that you lusted after for all those years. And you had, you had this long relationship with Tiger. You saw the incredible highs. You saw the remarkable lows. And yeah, what is he, forty six, forty seven years old, like a tr- like five, six back surgeries, uh ridiculously yeah. serious car accident, uh where his leg was basically blown up. I mean it's, uh, it's a remarkable story, and it makes sense. I mean, you know, tomorrow at 3 o'clock, I'm sitting down, and, yeah, Rory yeah. McIlroy and Justin Thomas play in the same group as Tiger Woods. I don't care about either of those guys. I want to see what Tiger does, and maybe the small, remote, minute chance that he can regain his form and do something special, that's what's going to draw people in for years to come, and it's 5%. not going to change anytime soon.
0: As long as he keeps himself relevant in the tournament, there'll be people that'll that'll be glued to the TV. I mean, if this guy is is a you know under par and you know in somewhat contention, could you imagine? Like people are going to be glued; they're not going to move. And you know, you, you mentioned Rappaport's uh, assessment of the Tigers' situation. And I was just thinking while you were talking, what would be a good comparable about? the way people watch sports because of tiger in another sport could it is it tom brady right because tom brady has hung around forever and ever since he's every year since he's been in the nfl he's been one of the biggest storylines i mean he's in prime time games he's winning super bowls in the age of 40 that nobody thought could ever happen to a a, you know a, a star athlete and could the same be said about Tiger and sort of how you feel the love hate relationship goes with with him and the attention that he gets? If, if it's not him, who else is it? I think, or does it Federer? exist? Federer
1: might be the closest. Okay, Federer, because Nadal. He's with, uh, well, no, yeah, maybe, maybe Nadal, I mean, Djokovic wouldn't apply because he's still at the top of his game, but those guys. We saw just so much incredible, so many incredible performances from them, and you're hoping maybe they can do it again, just one right. last time. Can we get it from Federer? And he's dealing with all these injuries, and I but think I guess, in many respects that's that's the same we feel about Tiger.
0: And Tom Brady. Like everybody's, Prior to him announcing his retirement yeah. this year, everybody was saying, okay, where's Tom Brady going to chase the next Super Bowl? Is he going to Vegas? Is he going to stay in Tampa? Is he going to join the 49ers? right and all of a sudden he calls he, he signs his retirement papers and now the interest around Tom Brady's gone because it's exactly what you said what could he come back and do next because he's already won like think about what he did when he won the Super Bowl with Tampa this guy went to a completely irrelevant organization in Tampa Bay <laughs> and in one season relevant. and in one season turned him into Super Bowl champions separated from what separate what most people would classify as the greatest coach in NFL history now there's a there's another argument to be made since that label was put on Belichick because what has he been able to do since and until he actually you know coaches a team that is competitive for a Super Bowl I think people have lost that luster for him of, of, of 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 being that guy with that label of greatest coach of all time Oh, no,
1: no, I don't, I don't think that's the case at all. You think people have, are, are removing everything that Belichick has accomplished because he
0: hasn't well, won the Super Bowl in a couple Pe- of years? I mean, I, there's, there's definitely people out there that are saying Bill Belichick isn't Bill Belichick because he doesn't have Tom Brady around, and Bill Belichick was Bill Belichick because he had a guy like Tom Brady around. In, in Tom part, Brady yes. left Belichick and showed that he's the, the alpha in in that relationship because he won the Super Bowl with somebody that else. That is totally
1: fair. That is totally fair. I think you can make that argument, but I don't think anyone's taking away anything from Bill Belichick because of the Patriots haven't Look, been successful. No, no,
0: no, no. no. You can't take anything away from him, but you can definitely question whether he is the greatest coach of all time.
1: Uh, I mean, I, I think the, the debate was more so Brady versus Belichick, not Belichick versus the other coaches. I don't know if we can... Look at and we can draw any conclusions about Belichick's coaching greatness, but who had the bigger impact on the Patriots dynasty? I think maybe that might be something that you Yeah, that's fair. Play. In any that's case, fair. we've got Buster Rolling standing by. He's emailing me. He is fired up for his return <laughs> nice. to first up. Buster, uh ESPN MLB insider, one of the best in the business. He's down in Dunedin, covering the Toronto Blue Jays today and tomorrow. And he's got the insights, the win projections for the Jays. He's a big fan of the new balance in the Toronto Blue Jays lineup. We'll get to that with Buster only on the other side. Frank Corrado in about 25 minutes on the Patrick Kane to Toronto possibilities. Lots of good stuff coming your way in Hour 3 of First Up next. All right, we're back here on First Up, Aaron Korolnik and Carlo Koliakovo with you. The NFL season, it's over, the Super Bowl is coming, gone, but now as spring approaches, it is our pleasure to welcome back to the program, for the first time in a long time, a man who is vital to our baseball coverage here on TSN 1050, year in and year out, back on First Up from ESPN, our friend Buster Olney. What's up, Buster? How you doing? I'm doing great guys. Good to talk with you again. <laughs>
2: yeah. Likewise baseball season Fantastic. is back. It's, How excited are you great. about that? Yeah. Um really excited because I, I think this is gonna be a you know a fascinating year with all these new rule changes. Uh, you know, we saw all the money spent during the course of the winter time, you know, teams going all in. It feels like that the you know, the Mets and the in the Padres in particular are putting pressure on the other teams. And if last year was the year of Aaron Judge, this is going to be the year of Shohei Ohtani. We're going to be talking about Ohtani all season. (laughs) Wow. All right. So we'll
1: get to Ohtani in just a moment. But you emailed me last week. You told me, hey, Aaron, I'm going to be in Dunedin to see the Jays on February 15th. So I'm like, all right, let's book Buster to speak about what he's going to, I guess, encounter today. And I know you're heading over to the facility in about an hour, Buster. Give us your thoughts on the off season that was for the Toronto Blue Jays, because we remember this time last year you predicted the Blue Jays would win the World Series. Can we expect a similar prediction from you this time around? <laughs>
2: well, I think you both are, are hoping that I don't do that, uh, based on that track record, right? Um, look, I, I, I don't know if you guys saw yesterday, but some of the projection systems began to make their predictions on what's going to happen this year. Uh, the baseball prospectus website has them at 89 wins with their Peccota system that they use. I-, I think they're better than that. You know, I'm thinking more in the range of like 92 to 93 wins. I think they had a really good and important off season, uh, in particular with how they balanced their lineup. You know, we have been harping on for the last three years. Boy, they got to get more left handed. They got to get more left handed, uh, and they finally did. And so I think that it has a, you know, they have a pitching staff, a rotation of great depth. They have a lineup with improved depth. Um, I, I think that they're going to contend with the Yankees. They're really, the only team, in my opinion, that has a chance to catch the Yankees in the American League East.
0: Buster, what did you make about the Blue Jays handling of the Bo Bichette situation?
2: Um, I, I thought it was good in the end you know, to, uh, you know, to get that, uh, you know, to get that, that settled um, because I, I just knowing Bo and his personality, uh, it feels like that, you know, he's someone who just puts so much pressure on himself. I had this conversation with a bunch of baseball people this winter when they talk about, you know, someone like that. I, I think it's good to get that behind him and to get him focused on this year because I, you know i I was emailing with with Aaron before the show about uh you know the big x factor for the Blue Jays this year, and that to me is Bo and his defense you know we're going into a year where they put on um you know they put these restrictions on defensive shifts, which means that the individual infielders are going to have to stand up for themselves you know there's not going to be any players protected anymore by putting three guys on one side of the infield, and Bo's got to get better defensively you know statistically you guys know this last year he was one of the worst shortstops in baseball you know to me um that's got to change and in speaking with you know folks who know him they they fully believe that it can change but it's got to happen mm-hmm. yeah, no I, t-
0: I couldn't agree with you more I mean I th- was surprised to see it go to arbitration but I like the the three year term because it gives him the um you know the chance to prove that that this team can commit to him long term. Uh, you mentioned the new rules that are coming into baseball this year. One of them being banning of the shift. How does Major League Baseball plan to police that? Is there going to be like paint signals on the field? Is there going to be you know umpires sort of monitoring it? How, how do they plan to to you know focus on players staying in the positions that they're that they're supposed to be in?
2: And Carla, we we are part of the reason why I'm going to be in Dunedin today. Uh, is because they're going to have a rules demonstration for us this afternoon. Uh, You know, from what I understand, uh, you know, it it should be fairly apparent that, um, you know, you're going to have two infielders on each side of second base. Uh, The umpires have a lot on their their plate this year, but that's going to be one of the things that they're going to be expected to monitor. You're also going to have larger bases. I've seen the comparisons uh, made in their aft when you actually see the new bases that they're going to use the enlarged bases, they look like large pizza boxes (laughs) um, in their size. You know, I was talking with Vinny Pascantino, the the Royals, yesterday, and he mentioned, you know, how much uh, better that's going to be for for player safety. Um, Yeah, but the umpires are going to be monitoring that. They're going to be monitoring this new pitch clock, you know, 20 seconds when there are runners on base, 15 seconds when there are no runners on base. And we learned some details yesterday about, uh, how they're going to enforce rules against, um, unusual pitching motions where, uh, you know, because you could conceivably try to beat the pitch clock by doing, you know, st- you know, starting your delivery and then stepping back, uh, like Luis Garcia, the Astros does, doing funky stuff. They're going to crack down on that. Uh, and I think as part of this enforcement too, one of the questions I have, are they also going to crack down even more? Um, on, uh, the sticky stuff, because it was clear based on spin rates that pitchers went back to cheating in the second half of last year. Uh, I suspect that, uh, you know, that they're going to tell the umpires, look, you, you gotta, you gotta monitor that, uh, more closely. Um, and, uh, you know, cause we're trying to increase a game that has more offense and has better pace. I do think to, to circle back to the defensive shifts. It's going to significantly help left-handed hitters because you're not going to see that defense anymore, where you're going to have an infielder standing in the in the in short right field, uh, taking away those ground ball hits that we used to see through the right side of the infield.
1: Our guest is ESPN MLB Insider Buster Olney. You mentioned all these rules changes buster that are coming up in major league baseball this year probably a lot of fans will be watching and be like whoa what's going on here i never knew this was happening and that's a similar refrain that a lot of players around major league baseball and some executives as well as well are taking like they are worried there are some worried that there's too much too fast how much of a story do you think this will be in the early part of spring training heading into the early parts of the regular season as well
2: it's going to be the dominant story of baseball in spring training at the beginning of the year. And let's, let's, uh, you know, do the breaking news. Now, some veteran players are going to complain about it. <laughs> you know, <they're laughs> oh, going to be, no. it's not only about pitchers with a pitch clock. It's going to be about hitters who want to step out of the box, uh, who, you know, want some time to think between pitches. They're not going to be happy with it. I've had executive managers tell me that they believe that the pitch clock is actually going to work in favor of the pitchers because it's going to speed up the hitters and their thought process. And, yeah, we're going to have moments when, you know, mistakes are made, when we're going to ask the question, well, why was it enforced in this spot and why was it not enforced in that spot? And by the way, one of the, you know, the piece of information we got yesterday uh, was that anybody who argues about a pitch clock violation, any manager, automatic ejection. So wow. you're, going be, you're, you're, you're going to have guys thrown out of games, you're going to have – uh you know, post-game quotes, veteran players ranting, but I think that in the end that they'll adjust in part because so many of the the guys who play in the big leagues now have been playing under these rules in recent years in the minor leagues. You know, there are a number of players that, like I I mentioned in my conversation with Vinny uh, yesterday, he's all in favor of this. Like, he's like, I'm good with it in terms of speeding up the game, trying to make a better product, and let's face it, that's in the end what Major League Baseball is looking for to go from a you know the average game time of three oh five down to something closer to two and a half hours because they're they know that they're losing the uh, you know the focus of the youngest generation of fans and they're trying to speed up the game.
1: Well, maybe Shohei Otani can bring a new generation of fans to the fold. And you mentioned it off the top when you joined us, Buster. I mean, he's going to be the dominant storyline. In Major League Baseball, will the Angels trade him? Will they sign him to some gargantuan contract? What are you hearing about Otani, and how do you ultimately think this story plays out over the course of the year?
2: Yeah, so the Angels, Otani, have not announced where they stand on their contract negotiations, but the full expectation within the industry is, is that he's going to be a free agent after this year. And so you're right, the question now, if in fact that's the case and he's going to head out of the market, uh, the question during the season is, will the Angels trade him if they're having a disappointing year? Uh, last year, Artie Moreno, the Angels owner, chased his front office away from the idea of trading Otani. People of the other teams thought that if you're going to deal Otani and get full value, it needed to be last year. Um, and, and so if the Angels you know, wind up uh, trading him, he could be a difference maker for a team like the Mets. For example, uh, in a mid-season <laughs> deal, the uh, Mets, or maybe the are Blue Jays.
1: Haven't the Mets spent like five hundred trillion dollars in the offseason already? Which means they, they, they don't care. And they got a mulligan.
2: They got a <laughs> mulligan with Correa. So yeah, right, exactly. And you know, last year I remember talking to you guys about Otani when he became a free agent. You know, what would be the the operative numbers? And, and I mentioned the number five. You know, fifty million dollars a year. Five hundred million dollars plus in a total contract, Jeez. guys. Just based on conversations that have had with uh, folks in front of offices uh, this winter, they're now speculating the operative numbers could be six.
3: What? <laughs> six
2: million plus a year, and six hundred million because of the fact that you're talking about someone. You talk about the ultimate insurance in it, built within a contract. Let's say that you know you give him a massive contract, and he gets hurt as a pitcher. Well, guess what? You still have a top-ten slugger, right? I mean, you're getting so much production out of this individual player. And we haven't even talked about market value and and commercialization of a player. Uh, He's someone who I I personally think that the, the odds of him winding up with the Dodgers, who clear payroll this winter in order to take a runner to Otani next winter, or the Mets, Dodgers or the Mets, I'd be shocked.
1: I mean, we saw the Phoenix Suns trade for Kevin Durant last week, and pretty much in baseball, there's only one guy who can make an impact. I mean, maybe not as much as Durant, but, I mean, the way that he's an ace and he... Hits dingers and is a great hitter. I mean, it would be so much fun to see. just the global impact that he has, too, right? Well, of course, yeah, as as Buster said, the commercial impact of uh, of Shohei Otani. Well, Buster, needless to say, you have a very positive impact every time you join the show. We'll be doing it regularly from here on out. Great to catch up with you. Say hi to Ross Atkins for us, and we'll do this again next week.
2: (laughs) That sounds great, guys. Good to talk to you again. YouTube, Buster. Have a good ESPN. one. Enjoy the Florida Buster's sun. Yes.
1: Oh, yeah. He knows the baseball reporters. They know what they're doing, Coco. It's like, oh, who
0: knew spring trading's down in Florida or Arizona? That's how it's Dude, done, right there. I tell you right now, man. Like just being here yesterday, compared to six days in Florida last week, where I was at, the Florida sun is just like oxygen. It just, it's just, <laughs> like it, it's just so much. Like fresher, clearer, like uh, it makes you so much more alive. Like it's crazy. It's unbelievable. It's oxygen. Yeah, Yeah, it is oxygen. It's
1: delicious oxygen. (laughs) Hot oxygen. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. We've got Frankie Corrado standing by. We'll welcome him in in the next 10 minutes or so. We'll get back to the Leafs. They take on the Blackhawks tonight. They are massive massive favorites, and rightfully so, Chicago is terrible, and they're coming off a 4 nothing loss to Montreal, last night, so they're playing the second half of a back-to-back, we'll see what the Leafs look like, we'll see what Austin Matthews looks like, assuming he indeed makes his return to the lineup. Corrado coming up, you're listening to First Up, TSN 1050.
2: This is D. Koliakobo, he
1: scores! To D. Corrado scores!
0: With Koliakobo, Koliakobo. and Corrado. Frankie Corrado! With Aaron Korolnik.
1: I'm a journalist now. Just imagine the sweat pouring off of Val's brother's body. Stop gambling, you degenerate. Yostling! <laughs> New additions to the D2D Sting here on First Stop. Welcome back to the program. I am Aaron Korolnik, Carlo Koliakovo, and we welcome in our good buddy, TSN hockey analyst, fresh off a of night, Valentine's Day Eve, covering the Ottawa Senators and the New York Islanders. It's Frank Corrado back on the show. What's going on? Oh, not much. How we
3: doing, Carlo? I got to say, you were gone, and I filled in for two mornings for you, and I got to give you a lot of credit, buddy. AK, we pump your tires a lot around here, but Carlo, you do that every day. You do panels at night. I don't know how you do it, buddy.
0: I'm a rock star, buddy. I'm a rock You star. are a rock No, no star, coffee, man. too. Yeah. No coffee is the most impressive aspect. I, I wish I, I could it. drink coffee. Dude, I told you. I, I wish I could be a guy. I just can't. I have bad acid reflux. It here. becomes <laughs> a crutch, though. The, <laughs> well, like, the coffee. coffee
3: thing really becomes a crutch, because now it's like, for me, after every meal, got to be a coffee. And it's really? like, late <laughs> night, if we're doing a game, oh, there's a 10.30 p.m. coffee happening. It's not a good well, situation.
0: See, I to me, like, the coffee thing's like, okay, it's, 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 it's coffee. As an Italian, the thing that hurts me the most is when I can't enjoy a nice espresso. Right? Like, I, I was yeah. with my buddies. Yeah last week for six days in, in florida and it's like you know you get up you have your breakfast you go to your golf you come back you eat lunch you lounge by the pool you play cards and then you know you're setting up <laughs> dinner and stuff like that but after dinner everyone's like es- espresso anybody and i'm like i'm the loser saying no i can't sorry i can't i can't do yeah. it and it's like you all i, I want to do is cards? just oh yeah buddy what, so what is italian cards <laughs> Oh no, we didn't Briscolla. play. No, 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 we Briscolla. didn't play with the Italian cards. No, we didn't. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. That used to what be does that the, mean? Uh, the high school.
3: We we would play we would play Italian cards at high school. We'd play for a loony yeah. or whatever. We played uh, it's similar Briscolla. to euchre. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you're yeah. familiar with euchre, I like love the euchre. main game in Italian cards is somewhat similar. Okay. Yeah. So two
0: days you couldn't yeah. do two days. That's it, man. You, you're just you're not. No, I did it.
3: it. I, I did it. But it just it, I got a lot of respect for the fact that you do it every day and you do panels at night and you got kids like it's a it's a whole thing.
0: You're Thanks, a rock buddy. Star, it, bud. me- it, mean- it means a lot coming from you, and I hope <laughs> other people that listen to what you just said appreciate the work that I do too. I hope my wife's listening as well yeah. too, so that you uh, know what we'll do. So Coco, we'll understand. we'll
1: have twenty fingers cut that clip and we'll send it to Gina. and she'll Please be like, do. You know what? Please yes, do. Carlo yeah. is an amazing man, amazing husband and father, and. Broadcaster, So we talked a lot about coffee and, you know, remaining alert and awake. And my guess is over the next two and a half weeks, Frank, Kyle Dubas will be consuming coffee in enormous quantities because he's got some work to do, especially following the bombshell report from our man Carlo Cogliacomo yesterday that Patrick Kane's got two teams, at least he was interested in, the New York Rangers, who went out and traded for Vladimir Tarasenko, the other team, the Toronto Maple Leafs. What do you make of that, both for Kane and for the Leafs? I
3: can I can understand. First of all, Carlos dipping his toe into the insider game. I love it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but I can understand, not happy. <laughs> I can understand Kane having Toronto on a list of teams he might want to go to because if you looked at it from an outsider's point of view, okay, he's played his whole career in Chicago. Let's be honest; like Patrick Kane is probably on the back nine now. There's still some good hockey in there, despite what has happened for him this season. But when you look at it, you think, okay, Austin Matthews is here. Those are two of arguably the best American-born hockey players of all time. And then you think about a guy who's always played in Chicago, who's played in a big market. Maybe there's a little bit of him that wants to experience what it's like to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs, the so-called center of the hockey universe. So I can understand how it would be on his list. And I wonder now if that might play into the hand of Kyle Dubas a little bit more. Because if you think about what it would take to acquire Patrick Kane, early on in the season, in the offseason, the price has probably gone down quite a bit, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, it almost it feels like it, it's gotten to the point now where you don't need to give up your, your, your big trade chip prospect in Matthew Nyes because, listen, if Kane has the no-movement clause and he's saying, I only want to go to Toronto, that's going to limit Chicago and what they can do, similar to Claude Giroux last year, how he said, I only want to go to Florida. There was a better deal on the table for him to go to Colorado. He wanted to go to Florida. The team respected that, and they made the deal happen. So if that same situation plays out here in Toronto, you know, maybe you can bring him in and still have some currency left to make other moves that can help your team. Although Carlo, I, I do understand you know what you were saying yesterday about like he's been hurt, he hasn't been productive, like and, and he is an alpha in the room. And I do believe that as well. That this is these guys' room. They've earned yeah. that right, and you have to be careful about adding someone with too much presence because we've seen that year after year here. And I think now it's time to let these guys take the ball and run with it.
0: You're absolutely right, Frankie, and that's why I, I mentioned that yesterday. You know, there's there's a fine line you you need to tread here with bringing in a guy like Kane. And I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying that you know the the excitement around doing it has to excite everybody, but you also have to understand the impact that it might have in a locker room like this, that has been established that, you know, has their go-to guys that has their alphas past Patrick Kane, ever been in a situation where he's not that guy. And will you pass up an opportunity if this guy, you know, really is telling the whole world that he wants to come play for you. So, you know we'll see how this whole thing plays out but ultimately you know we talked about what the 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 proper approach for the Maple Leafs should be i think a week ago i think the maple leafs were pretty comfortable in in allowing their own players to sort of you know dictate what direction they're going to go you wake up this morning well, the Maple Leafs position in the division has changed. They're now at the three seed in this division. And then does that put more pressure to, to make a move of significance? Cause Tampa ain't going anywhere, you know, and you got to think that Tampa's probably going to make a move too. So what do you do? The blueprint's there. It's the, it's the Colorado Avalanche model at the deadline last year. It was a t- an impact t- a left winger. It was a bottom six forward and it was an impact middle. Middle, uh, you know, uh, the middle. A, a, a Josh, Josh Manson. Yeah. Right. Right. So what do what well, do you it's think?
3: It's funny, like it's funny thinking about this team, right? Because they are a very good team, and if you look at the overall standings in the NHL, they're among one of the best, and even. I hate to go down this road, too, but, you know, we get those sport logic reports, and if you pay attention to those, every metric, it's like they're in the top third of the league. So they're a very good team. So it it seems puzzling as to how you can say, okay, we need to add a top six forward, we need a top four defenseman, but it's true. Like, that's what this team actually needs if you watch the product on the ice. If someone goes down in that top six, it gets very thin all of a sudden, and we've seen that with Austin Matthews, but if any one of those other guys goes down... It gets thin. So you need someone in that top six that is going to push someone lower in the lineup. Or you're going to bring in someone who you know is going to be a third-line player. That's their identity. They do it exceptionally well. And you know they can pinch hit in the top six when the time comes. But maybe that's not their, their home slot, let's say. As far as the back end goes, that's the one that's maybe the most intriguing, right? Because... I know this Leafs team places so much emphasis on clean puck movement and possession and all that stuff. And that's what a lot of other teams are looking for. Every team wants that puck-moving defenseman. And it seems like the Leafs have too much of that puck-moving defenseman. They need the guy that's a little more grizzled, a little more heavy. Like That seems to be the buzzword everyone uses right now with the Leafs and, and, and what they want on the back end. Someone a little more heavy. But that's also true. Like Both things can be true in the sense that there needs to be an emphasis still on moving the puck and and playing within that philosophy that the Leafs have. But there's nothing wrong with having someone who can clear the front of the net a little more. And Carlo, as a defenseman, one of the hardest things I always found was breaking up a cycle when players are in motion. And I don't know if, if you experienced that as well but these bigger guys like a guy like joel edmondson these guys that are kind of monsters on the ice just be, they're, they're bigger, they're longer, they're rangier, they're strong. It's like they can do that with a little more ease, whereas a guy, if you're 6'1", 195, 200 pounds, it just takes a lot more out of you. So in a seven-game series, that's how you wear down more and more and more. Yeah, buddy. So if you can add someone like that where it's like, no, that's my bread and butter. Someone's got some motion in the offensive zone. I cut right through their arms. I break that cycle, and it's a small thing. But it leads to a big thing in the grand scheme of things.
1: That is Frankie Corrado, TSN Hockey Analyst, Karolnik Koliakobo. You're listening to d to d here on First Up, TSN 1050. And I think when we talk about you know, the Colorado model of a trade deadline, don't you think that Boston, Carolina, New Jersey, Tampa, Dallas, Winnipeg, Vegas, the LA Kings would all love to do the exact same thing? So this is why sure. the Patrick Kane thing is of particular intrigue to me because I guess, assuming what Carlo says is, is still the case today as it was just over a week ago, Patrick Kane wants to come to the Leafs. And if he's the guy that it's like you have kind of sole exclusivity with, then that makes it a lot more of, a, of an intriguing possibility for the Leafs because you're not competing with Carolina and New Jersey and others for Timo Meyer or all these teams with for Gavrikov or whoever it might be. And I think that's why Kane might lend itself to a little bit more of a priority, and and again, there's a long way to go before the deadline. Two and a half weeks is an eternity when we talk about this on the day-to-day. By the way, you'll see Kane and the Blackhawks in Toronto tonight just to accelerate this whole, uh, all this speculation. But, man, there's a a lot of of interesting stuff going on um, around the NHL right now, and I think the Leafs are a big part of it.
3: Well, you know the way it goes, right? They talk about it on Overdrive all the time. If there's a team that's rolling into town and they have a certain message they need to get across, well, pay attention to whatever's being said uh, <laughs> at Morning Skate. Like, I think they, play, they played in Montreal last night, so I'm not sure they'll have a Morning Skate. But if there is media availability today, you'll be sure that someone's going to get their message across because they know what kind of an amplifier the Toronto market is. But the, the thing with Patrick Kane and only wanting to come to the Leafs if that is true, right? And and we think it is. The Chicago Blackhawks, think about what he's done for that organization, what kind of a legacy player he is for them. If that's the case, they're going to be like they're going to try and make that happen for him and not put up too much of a fight and say, "Well, we we think we need to get this back in return." It's like, "Listen, this guy put in a lot of A lot of work for your organization. Blood,
0: sweat, and tears.
3: Yeah, he he got you a lot of championships as part of a, a bigger group of players, but he was one of the main catalysts for that for a long time. I almost think that the Chicago Blackhawks owe it to him to say, okay, if this is where you want to go, Toronto, whoever the team is, just make us a fair... Fair market deal that we can live with, and on we go. And everyone's happy about the situation.
1: Well, we remember last year the rumored Blackhawks Maple Leafs trade with Marc Andre Fleury and Brandon Hagel coming over to Toronto in exchange for Matthew Nye's. I think Peter Morazik was a part of it, first round pick, and we know the Morazik deal. Uh, executed with the Blackhawks ultimately in the offseason Dubas and Kyle Davidson of the Blackhawks have a good working relationship they've talked a lot and they've made and consummated deals with one another so this is not some foreign concept between these two general managers and maybe it's maybe it's not Patrick Kane maybe it's Jonathan Daves maybe it's Max Domi or Jake McCabe but my guess is and this is a prediction right now a trade will be made between Toronto and Chicago. Maybe it's not Kane, but they've got a lot of guys that should be of interest to the Toronto Maple Leafs, Frank.
3: I would, I would just say this, too, and I, I know it hasn't been a great season for Patrick Kane, all that stuff. He's playing on a brutal team. If you've watched Chicago play, they're not good. So that sucks the life right out of you right there. But if you just picture putting him into the top six in Toronto, okay, let's say he plays with Tavares and Marner. You're going to have a line of Kane, Tavares, oh, and Marner. Like, what do you think Marner and Kane are going to be doing out there? Like, I, I think that's that a, just. That's a
1: London Knights line, right? If, all, all former London Knights.
3: I guess, yeah. I always think of Tavares as an Oshawa general. Oshawa but he general, did, yeah. He did finish up with London. But just if he's healthy. Right, like if he's healthy, if his body feels good, you know the game is in there somewhere. Don't you think those guys can extract it out of him? I think it would just be so exciting for him as a player, as an individual. But I still come back to Carlos point about it's it's about the presence, right? Like there's there could be a lot of presence there. I, I don't know if I want to step on too many of the toes in the dressing room. I don't know if that's a how the players feel about it, but it, it really has become their room, their team, um you know there's a lot of ownership there within that group but man if you get that guy in that situation and he's cool and he's bought in like i just think there's so much excitement around what that could mean for this team
0: yeah no, i couldn't agree with you more did you feel, do you have the same excitement of the potential uh you know changing of places with a guy like eric carlson cuz i do you like, do I, I, yeah
3: you you like think I, you're excited about eric carlson going somewhere
0: Absolutely, man. Like, like I don't, I'm not there with with it. I, I don't Eric, know why. When Eric Carlson was playing for the Ottawa Senators and they went on that run, I don't remember the year, but he remembered that saucer pass he made to oh, Mike Hothman, it's one of the best probably. goals of all time. <laughs> best goals. I, so help me, help refresh my memory. What year was that, AK, when they Maybe lost? Maybe like 2017. 16, 17, it was, 19, it was, yeah. the, it was the year. It was the year Pittsburgh won the cup against Nashville in, in the... Uh, yes, yeah, that was, uh, 16, that was, the that was 2016,
3: 2017. Okay, 2016,
0: 2017 yeah. Eric Carlson was my favorite player to watch as a defenseman because this guy was so good at making plays with the puck. And just watching him play this year, don't get to watch him much. You see a lot of his highlights because he plays in the West Coast. If he gets a chance to go play with McDavid and Dreisaitl, <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, that doesn't excite you?
3: It does. It does. I just have vivid memories because I was in Pittsburgh as a black ace for that series. I have vivid memories of, and this is not a knock against Eric Carlson. He's unbelievable. I have memories of Mark Mathot skating corner to corner because it was like Carlson doesn't do it. You know? So it's like Mathot would be he would have a battle in one corner, he'd come back to the front of the net, he'd look at Carlson, he'd be like, No, no, no you, you stay. Go. i gonna go. Go. gonna go to the other I'm gonna go to the other corner. So Mathot was doing back to back boards and boards. And then Carlson would get the puck and hop in and do his thing offensively. But, I mean, yeah, imagine adding Eric Carlson to that power play in Edmonton. It's already so potent with Tyson Berry or Evan Bouchard, whoever you're putting up there. It would be – I don't even know if it could get any better, but it just seems like at five on five, the way he's producing, (laughs) it's like he would be like – he already is like a fourth forward. I just wonder what the ceiling is if you put him on an ice surface with those guys on a consistent basis.
1: Again, I think the most staggering stat of this entire hockey season is that Eric Carlson leads the league in five-on-five, even-strength scoring. Uh, As
0: a defenseman on one of the
1: worst teams in the league. And he's on pace (laughs) to have more than 100 points, something not done since 1991-92, Brian Leach. I mean, what this guy is doing this year is unprecedented. That being said, a trade like this, being executed midseason would also be pretty pretty unprecedented as well, considering all the salary retention and first round picks it and it's yeah. a crazy deal, and I don't know how likely it is I think uh, on behalf of all hockey fans, I hope Carlson gets traded to the Oilers. I hope Patrick King gets traded to the Leafs because man, Canadian hockey once again it's back and uh, let's hope it uh, let's hope it happens in any case, we know Edmonton and Toronto are going to be active whether or not they make those deals or alternatives there's going to be something cooking with both the leaps and the oilers um, regardless so two and a half weeks frank two and a half weeks thank you for yeah. doing this what's on what's on the dock of the rest of the day in the corrado households
3: oh we're going to do uh six o'clock sports
1: center today oh, so we're right.
0: talking we'll about watching. we might
1: be talking about trade center <laughs> <laughs> my guess is that will be coming up and probably patrick yeah. kane's name as well. what did you
0: get lola for valentine's day
3: uh, I believe she got like a chew toy, but Lola actually bought my wife some flowers. That was very nice of Lola. Wow, yeah, that's nice. a very
1: impressive thing for a dog to do. <laughs> yes. I go to the store. Hey, you yeah. take my Amex, and uh, we'll get ready to go. All right, all right, yeah. Lola. Yeah. Lola, Lola, the very wise dog. All right, see you, yeah. Frankie. Thank you for doing this. All right, guys, thanks. See you, pal. All right, that's Frank Corrado, TSN hockey analyst. Watch for him on SportsCenter at six o'clock tonight. We've got. A lot more to come here on First Up. This is TSN 1050, including a very special appearance from Charlie. Ooh, I'm not even gonna try to say his name. He covers the Chicago Blackhawks. He'll be up at 9:30. More First Up after this. Great chat with Frank Corrado. Uh, if you missed his appearance, Buster Olney. We had Dave Poulin on earlier. You could find our podcast. Wherever podcasts are found, make sure to subscribe while you're there. Throw us a nice five-star rating and a nice review. Right bang in the comments. We would appreciate that. Karolnik yeah. and Koliakova with you. The fourth hour, first up, right around the quarter. Here we go. We're going to try to pronounce our guest's name at 930. Charlie Romeliotis. Romeliotis. Jeez, how did I do? Give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Okay, he doesn't have his headphones there. on. Oh, okay. That's too yes. bad. But in any case... Ramelli Otis, he is a Blackhawks insider for NBC Sports in Chicago. We'll get their thoughts on what this team's going to do at the deadline, two and a half weeks away. And, of course, they prepare for the Leafs tonight after a game against the Montreal Canadiens where they were not in the best uh, not the best performance. Let's put it that way. They lose 4-0 to Montreal. We'll see what they've got tonight against the Maple Leafs. The fourth hour of first Up is coming up on the other side. I'll tell you about my big TSN photo shoot yesterday that experience and more i know that's a great tease our audience is like yes i need to stick around and hear what aaron had to do at the tsn photo shoot you should it's a great story it's coming your way on the other side